You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning does come to us from the Gospel of John in chapter 17. I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. And as we've kind of talked about, this is Jesus praying on behalf and praying for his disciples. And this is from the Good News Translation, which is the same translation as your Pew Bible. So if you want to turn to page 148 and follow along with today's reading, I would invite you to do so. After Jesus finished saying these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son so that your Son may give glory to you. For you gave him authority over all humankind so that he might give eternal life to all those you gave him. And eternal life means to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have shown your glory on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Father, give me glory in your presence now, the same glory I had with you before the world was made. I have made you known to those you gave me out of this world. They belong to you and you've given them to me, and they have obeyed your word. And now they know that everything you gave me comes from you. I gave them the message that you gave me, and they received it. And they know that it is true that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. So I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but those you gave me, for they belong to you. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and my glory is shown through them. And now I am coming to you. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one just as I and you are one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together. Amen. So I am not creative in the same way as other people. Uh, You've seen basically the only ways that I'm creative, and that's through music. And I'm pretty decent at music, and I am decent enough, and these are my words, that I'm decent enough to be the JV pianist for our praise band on Sunday mornings. Again, those are my words, not theirs. It's not a thing. But my creative downfall is drawing. When it comes to drawing, I am completely sunk. I am, like, I had to take a high school art class, and the only reason that I passed that class is that the teacher had mercy on me, Um, and I also played piano for her son's euphonium solo. My lack of drawing skills have been made fun of by elementary school kids at an after-school program that I worked at in college. My drawing skills have been made fun of by students at South Dakota State University as I taught a Bible study. And my lack of drawing skills have been made fun of by our own confirmation class not three or four weeks ago. I am legendarily bad at drawing. It's true. And I have come to terms with this, with this failure in my life. I've um, decided that life is going to be okay, even if I cannot successfully draw a stick person without someone making fun of me. 
But there has been in my life one notable exception, one exception that proves the rule, one drawing that I'm willing to share with you on the screen this morning. There it is. It's five letters. It's one word. It is the word goals. But you might notice that the goals look a little bit different than usual letters do because this came from a drawing and this came from a training I was at with Stephanie Carroll when she was working with a bunch of pastors and youth leaders on how to set big, hairy, audacious goals. And so I made a big, hairy, audacious goal. And I was pretty proud of myself. I was so proud that I posted it to Instagram back in 2013 and found it this week to throw on the slides this morning. It is a big, hairy, audacious goal. BHAG, if for short. The idea of big, hairy, audacious goals came to the world of business writing in 1994 and then made its way into the church. The author responsible for the idea of big, hairy, audacious goals is a man named Jim Collins, and he writes that BHAGs are bold, that they are clear, that they are compelling, that they need little explanation. They are bold goals that fall in that gray area where reason and prudence say this is unreasonable, but our drive for success we can do, says that we can do it nonetheless. But as with all things, and as it's written in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new in the entire world. And so Jim Collins, the author, may get all the credit for coming up with BHAGs, but as we read at the near the end of John's Gospel, I think we read something that sounds an awful lot like a big, hairy, audacious goal. Don't you think? Jesus is giving these big, hairy, audacious goals to the disciples. Jesus prays for things that sound a little bit unreasonable. But do we not believe that God is able to accomplish all things? The things that Jesus prays for feel like they cannot possibly be how it's going to be. But yet we still believe, right? We still believe that God can accomplish even all of this. Our scripture this morning comes to us from John's gospel, and it comes as a part of his gospel called the Farewell Discourse. The Farewell Discourse is a series of teachings that Jesus gives to the disciples and a series of actions that Jesus undertakes in order to prepare the disciples for what is going to be the next chapter in the mighty and saving acts of God. It is in the Farewell Discourse that Jesus gives to his disciples a new commandment that people would know you through your love that people would know you through your love it is also in the farewell discourse in john chapter 14 where jesus tells the disciples that he is going to give them peace even when it feels like their world is falling apart they will have this sense of peace because jesus does not give peace in the same way that the world does with a peace that is fleeting but gives a real and lasting peace. It's a little bit later in the the same discourse where Jesus promises to send an advocate, 
Jesus promises to send a helper who will call to the disciples' minds all that they have experienced and all that he taught in order that they may stay strong. And after Jesus has said all of these things, he goes to God in prayer. He goes to God in prayer and gives to these disciples a big, hairy, audacious prayer. A bold, compelling prayer. And it's not a prayer that is for himself. It is a prayer that is for the disciples. Jesus prays a big, hairy, audacious prayer on behalf of the disciples. On behalf of those 11 disciples that are with him in the moment. And on behalf of all who would come to claim that name. Jesus prays for the disciples. And in this big, hairy, audacious prayer, Jesus prays and praises the faithfulness of the disciples. And Jesus lays out that he is the source of their faithfulness. During their time together, it is Jesus who taught and the disciples who learned. It is Jesus who gave and the disciples who received. It is Jesus who convinced and the disciples who believed. But all that's about to change. Jesus knows this. And it's reasonable to think that all the change that is going to happen is going to bring about more change. And so Jesus prays for the disciples. Because Jesus and the disciples have only been together for three years. And on paper, that sounds like a long time, but I'm sure as Jesus is preparing these disciples for what's about to happen next, they might be thinking to themselves, we're just getting started. But Jesus is preparing them for the end of their time together. And so the question had to have been in the back of his mind, The question weighed heavily enough on Jesus' heart that he had to bring it before God in a pivotal time of prayer. Will the disciples stay faithful to what they've learned? Will the disciples stay faithful to the teachings that Jesus instilled in them? Will these things go forward into the world as God intended, or will it be like that hobby that we picked up for a while and then lost interest in and then just kind of forgot about? Anyone ever been there? I know I have. So Jesus prays. Jesus prays that these disciples will stand firm in what they know. They know the truth. They know what God has revealed. They know what Jesus has taught. And they know that there is an advocate coming who will call to their minds all of these things so that they don't forget. Jesus prays this big, hairy, audacious prayer. And in so doing, he admits the fact that the disciples are being left in a world that is not going to be easy to navigate. But Jesus doesn't call the disciples out of the world. Jesus leaves the disciples here because they have work to do. 
And the reality is, is that Jesus was hated by the world. And the reality is, is that the world falsely believed that if they got rid of Jesus, they would get rid of the source of the teaching and influence that challenged religious leadership and shook the status quo. But if the disciples stay faithful to the first part of what Jesus prayed about, if they stay faithful to God, the world will grow to hate them in the same way that they hated Jesus. The lives of faith that Jesus is passing on to these disciples is not a safe life. The world will hate the disciples, and so in the compassion of God, Jesus prays. Jesus prays for God's protection to be upon them in the midst of all they will experience. Jesus prays, Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of name that you gave me. And because they did live out their faith, that prayer was needed. Jesus prays for these 11 disciples, 10 of whom would die the death of a martyr and one of whom would die of old age in exile and obscurity. Jesus prays that they would be kept safe. But then Jesus prays what might be the biggest. Jesus prays what might be the hairiest. Jesus prays what might be the most audacious part of this prayer. He prays that they would be one that they would be unified, that they would be united. And Jesus is not just praying that because unity feels better than discord, which, by the way, it does. Jesus is praying that because the disciples have been given the task of carrying on this mission. The disciples have been given the task of making God's love known to a world that God loves so much that he gave his only begotten son that everyone might experience eternal life. And it's a big job. And it's a hard job. And it's a job that feels like it cannot possibly be accomplished on one's own. And the disciples come from such varied backgrounds that really the only thing they have in common is Jesus. And with Jesus about to leave them, Jesus is hopeful that they will stick together, that they will be one. Jesus prays for these disciples, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? Jesus prays for all who would come to claim the name of disciple. Jesus prays for us. Can we just sit with that for a second? Jesus prays for us. Jesus prays big, hairy, audacious prayers for you and for me no matter what our deficiencies are, no matter what skills we have and do not have, no matter if we can draw or not, Jesus prays big, hairy, audacious prayers for you. Jesus wants these things that he wanted for his disciples, for you, just as he did for them, so much so 
that he prayed. And that's so important because the work that the disciples were called to do is the same work that we are called to do. And the world that hated the disciples so much will probably hate us too. The world in which Jesus lived called for his crucifixion and mocked him as he died. And with as much time that has passed, can we really say that the world is all that different now? I'd like to hope so, but we've all been through some stuff. And so as we face a world that is hard to navigate, as we face a world that can be a harsh place, as we face a world that is so divided, let us hear Jesus' prayer as words for us. Big, hairy, audacious prayers for you and for me. Would you pray with me? Holy Jesus, we give you thanks that you are a Christ who prays, that you are someone who is constantly on our side and calling to our minds all that God did and accomplished. Help us to rely on the strength that you give us and help us to recognize when we are being strengthened. There is work for us to do, but we don't do it alone. For you are with us and you've called a community of faith together. Just help us to remember that you are near, that you live and you pray for us. We love, we, we love you, we serve you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.